0: Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Alison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode 110 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. Thank you once again for tuning in. This week I have a bit of news for you. For those of you who listened before in the last few episodes, you'll know that I was shortlisted in the Law Society Excellence Award 2018 in the category of Sole Practitioner of the Year. I'm sad to say that at the ceremony on the 17th of October, I was not successful, so I wasn't a winner this time. However, it was a fantastic event. It was great to be recognised in my profession as a solicitor and um, really inspiring to be in a room with lots of fantastic people. All doing amazing things. So whilst I was sad not to win, of course, I've come away from it with lots of things to learn from. Lots of inspiration and we'll be looking at doing better, moving forward and all the things we can do to improve. On a much happier note, we have also been shortlisted as a firm in our local Isle of Wight Chamber of Commerce Awards for 2018. The shortlist was announced on Tuesday the 23rd of October and I'm pleased to say that Real Employment Law Advice has been shortlisted in the category of Growth Business of the Year and we are in a category with two other fantastic businesses, PC Consultants and WRS Systems, so we've got some stiff competition there. But once again, it's great to be recognised for the hard work that we've been doing it also comes at an interesting time because the 1st of November 2018 signifies five years since I was granted authorization from the Solicitors Regulation Authority to practice as a sole practitioner solicitor and set up the firm Real Employment Law Advice. So to be recognized this year both in the Law Society Excellence Award nominations and also the shortlist for the isle of wight chamber of commerce awards it's fantastic and i can't believe that it's five years since we started the firm so um lots to celebrate this year and the awards ceremony for the chamber awards is on the 30th of november so again we'll have to keep our fingers crossed for that one and um, i'm sure it will be a fantastic night so without further ado i'm going to get into this week's content which is a listener question So I'd like to say a big thank you to one of my regular listeners who has sent in a number of questions over the last year or so and he's kindly sent in another question or scenario to deal with on the podcast and when I read it I thought it was really interesting and actually it's not something I have come across myself in advising both employers and employees so it's quite useful to have a look at it and do some research and consider the answer to the question. And so basically, it's in relation to disciplinary action. And just to summarise, without giving away too many details, he says that a, a situation arose at work where the employer instigated disciplinary action against an employee. The matter was investigated and the investigating manager dealing with the matter decided that there was no case to answer in the end, and so no further disciplinary action was taken. Another manager, by the sounds of things, was unhappy with the outcome of the disciplinary for that employee, and started to trawl through their supervision notes, and in one of the documents from over a year ago, it was mentioned about a serious incident, and the manager of the employee at the time Had spoken to the employee about it and noted it in their supervision, and the issue was closed. So, in the notes from supervision from over a year ago, it seems that there was a serious incident noted, and the manager dealt with it accordingly. The question arises that now the manager, who was aggrieved by the outcome of the disciplinary action, has decided that they would like to undertake a full disciplinary process. In relation to this incident that was previously dealt with by a manager informally. And the question is Is it acceptable to reopen an incident which occurred well in the past? And what are the rules about trawling through past actions and taking disciplinary action? And can it be reopened and dealt with if it was dealt with incorrectly in the past? So, again, very interesting questions and quite an interesting scenario. And this deals with a situation where clearly there's some misconduct or a serious issue that's taken place in the past. And in this case, it was known about by the employee's manager who decided to deal with it informally. Now, there are a couple of issues here. And the first is in relation to the decision to reopen the investigation and start the disciplinary process in relation to an issue that's already been dealt with. In my view, the employer in this situation needs to tread very carefully in relation to how they deal with this, and much of it will depend on what their own policies and internal procedures say. So if at the time the original manager had the discretion and authority to deal with it in the manner in which they did, and there was no serious breach of any rules or procedures or any regulations or external regulations govern how they work, then it's unlikely to be fair to resurrect that issue and start a disciplinary process now some year later after it's seemingly been closed. From the employer's perspective, if they feel that the manager dealt with the situation incorrectly at the time, then my view is that would be a training exercise or something to discuss with the manager to ensure that they deal with those things formally in future. If on the other hand the employer decides to open a disciplinary process despite this then there is a risk that the employee could allege that this senior manager who seems to be on a fishing exercise or have it in for them is potentially bullying them and it could be that it's a breach of trust and confidence which could enable the employee to resign and claim constructive unfair dismissal as a result of the employer's actions. Now, just as a reminder, the principle of trust and confidence in the employment relationship was established in a case known as the mallet case from 1998 in the House of Lords. And in that decision, they stated that the employer must not, without reasonable and proper cause, conduct itself in a manner calculated to likely destroy or seriously damage the relationship of trust and confidence between employer and employee and in my view if the matter has already been dealt with and the employer tries to reopen the disciplinary and issue the employee with a warning for example then it's likely that the employee could argue successfully that there is a breach of trust and confidence not least if it can be shown that the manager who's instigated this has it in for them because of a previous issue. So that's assuming that the employer just goes down the route of disciplinary and issues a warning or some other sanction in relation to the issue. It becomes slightly different if they reopen the disciplinary and they decide to dismiss the employee for this issue. Ultimately if the matter has already been dealt with informally, it's going to be difficult for the employer to justify their decision to dismiss the employee for this allegation at a later date. Now that's not to say that they can't but it will depend very much on the circumstances of the case and as with all claims for unfair dismissal, which inevitably the employee would have here, The tribunal needs to look at the test of reasonableness and the decision that the employer has taken and that's to say that they will look at whether in the circumstances the employer has acted reasonably or unreasonably in treating it as a sufficient reason and they will also look at equity and the substantial merits of the case. So the question is if the matter has been dealt with informally before over a year ago and the employer instigates a new disciplinary procedure in relation to that historic allegation or incident and then they decide to dismiss, would it be a reasonable decision of the employer to then subsequently dismiss that employee? Now there are two cases that I want to talk to you about in relation to this issue and the first is called Sarka versus West London Mental Health Trust and this is a Court of Appeal case from 2010. Now, in that case, a doctor was initially disciplined for misconduct and given a formal written warning under the NHS's procedure. However, subsequently, the NHS said that he had to report to the General Medical Council. And when the doctor rejected this, the employer, the NHS Trust, decided to go down the route of a more formal disciplinary procedure and that resulted in him being dismissed for gross misconduct. So they'd already decided previously that this misconduct could warrant a formal written warning only under their policy, but because of a breakdown, they then decided to move it to dismissal. Now in this case, the Court of Appeal held that the decision to dismiss Was unfair, and the reason was that they had previously decided that the misconduct was fairly minor, and this was a factor to be taken into account when the tribunal considered the range of reasonable responses for the employer. So that is to say, at one time they decided that it was only minor, but then subsequently they decided to dismiss and it wasn't within the range of reasonable responses of the employer to dismiss for that reason now on the flip side of that is the case of mrs Christel and mrs ward versus the london borough of harringay it's a case from 2013 and it's a case from the court of appeal now the circumstances of this case are very different and i would say unusual and exceptional in that these employees were the social worker and the social worker manager responsible in the baby P case. Now, those of you listening, I'm sure will recall the case of baby P and the fallout from that baby's death and the responsibility of the local authority and their failures with the social workers to protect the baby in this case. So what happened was, at the time of the criminal investigation and the inquiry, shortly after the baby's death, Mrs. Cristall and Miss Ward were given warnings for misconduct under the local authorities' disciplinary process, and that was in around May and April 2008. There was the subsequent criminal case and inquiry, and national scrutiny and spotlight on this particular trust and the Social Services Department at Haringey Council, and as a result, there was a replacement of management, a new director in place, and an overhaul of the system, a further inquiry and investigation was undertaken. As I'm sure you will appreciate, this was a high-profile case and one in which really sort of a root and branch review was required of the Social Services Department Mrs. Christow and Miss Ward participated in that investigation and review, and then, subsequently, in April 2009, following further disciplinary action, they were dismissed as a result of misconduct. Now, on the face of it, this would seem as though it's the same situation as the previous case I talked about, which is the Dr. Sarka and West London Mental Health Trust. However, The Court of Appeal decision in this case was different in that they decided that it was fair to dismiss these ladies at the second disciplinary, despite the fact that they had previously been given a warning for the same thing. Within the case at the Court of Appeal, the doctrine of res judicata was considered, and this is basically the double jeopardy rule that you might have heard of which basically prevents relitigating of a matter that's already been litigated or could have been litigated previously. And so the parties, the employees argued, because of this, the employer couldn't go through the process again. On an analysis of res judicata, the Court of Appeal decided that it didn't apply in these circumstances because it wasn't litigation, it was an internal procedure. And they then went on to look at the previous decisions of the Employment Tribunal and the Employment Appeal Tribunal on this matter about whether it was fair to dismiss these two ladies and the Court of Appeal agreed with the employer and said that in circumstances of this case it was fair to dismiss them despite the fact that it had had a previous warning. Now the EAT, the Employment Appeal Tribunal and the Court of Appeal emphasise that cases where somebody is disciplined twice for the same allegation and subsequently dismissed the second time will rarely be a fair dismissal and it does very much depend on the individual circumstances. In this case you have to look at it in the wider context and obviously the tragic situation of the death of baby P, the media spotlight and the scrutiny that were put on the department and the Haringey council, and the fact that the new management who were in place were entitled to take a different view as to the seriousness of the conduct here. So just to summarise there, taking all the facts and circumstances of the case, the Court of Appeal agreed that it was fair to dismiss these two ladies. What you should take away from that case is that it's going to be very rare that As an employer, you will be able to justify dismissal as a reasonable response to an allegation of misconduct, for example, if you've already taken a decision that it isn't serious enough previously. So looking at the range of reasonable responses, unless there are extreme circumstances or facts that need to be considered, it's unlikely that you'll be able to discipline somebody twice and dismiss them. So therefore, in this situation that the listener has described, I would say that the employer needs to tread very carefully about reopening an allegation or an issue that they were already aware of and taking disciplinary action. If they do, the employee may raise a grievance and claim that they're being bullied, that there's been a breach of trust and confidence and they could resign and claim constructive dismissal and or if they proceed to the disciplinary and dismiss them, then the employee could have a good claim for unfair dismissal on the basis that it's not reasonable to dismiss them when the previous manager had taken the decision that it didn't even warrant a warning. If, on the other hand, the employee does something else which is related, or there is a second incident or misconduct which is similar to that which the employee wasn't given a warning for before, then the fact that they weren't given a formal warning doesn't necessarily mean that the employer can't take that into consideration in their sanction for the second bout of misconduct. So the mere fact that the employee wasn't given a warning doesn't mean that it can't be considered. It doesn't have to be discounted and it could be taken into consideration if they decide, for example, that They want to go to a final written warning or if it's sufficiently serious, dismiss. And then that brings me on to the question of what do you do in relation to historic misconduct that's not known about by the employer? Well, those of you who listen regularly will recall me talking about wrongful dismissal um, in episode 108 and I've mentioned before the case of Williams versus Leeds United Football Club in which Leeds United Football Club decided to go through Mr. Williams' emails after they'd decided to make him redundant to try to find something that they could use against him to avoid paying his substantial notice pay. In the event that you find out about an employee's misconduct after the event, then you can, of course, deal with that because it's the first time that you've found out about it. You can, of course, go through the disciplinary procedure and treat it accordingly. It is essentially a fresh disciplinary issue, even though it may have taken place several years before. If you didn't know about it, you couldn't have dealt with it at the time and therefore you can deal with it now. Of course, again, issues arise in relation to undertaking a what we would call a fishing expedition in relation to employees' conduct. So, if this senior manager decides that they want to trawl through the employee's emails, for example, to try to find something, like they have already done with the supervision notes, then it could be that if the employee is alive to this, that they again allege that they're being bullied by the manager, and/or that there's a breakdown in trust and confidence because of their behaviour. And this type of behaviour by the manager. Could also be taken into account in relation to the decision about the fairness of the dismissal. Because undoubtedly, the employee will bring up the fact that the only reason the employer knew about it is because they decided to look for it. And although, in the case of Williams v. Leeds United Football Club, the courts were satisfied that the employer looking for the misconduct didn't affect the wrongful dismissal decision, it may be different in an unfair dismissal case where the principles of fairness and reasonableness are applied. So in short, the employer, the senior manager here is on dodgy ground in my view by undertaking this campaign against the employee and they should look at their practices and procedures to see exactly why they feel that this is necessary and as I said before if they felt that the manager dealing with the employee at the time had made the wrong decision or hadn't followed protocol then I in my view that's a training exercise and potentially a disciplinary matter in relation to the manager but of course that would need to be investigated and explored. From the senior manager's perspective if they wanted to have a further informal discussion with the employee in relation to this issue that's already been dealt with, then there's nothing wrong with that and you can use it as a training exercise. But again, I think they need to be very careful about how they handle it because it could lead to all kinds of problems in the future. So there we go. Just to give you a quick recap on that. In summary, the so-called double jeopardy rule doesn't apply to disciplinary matters and so employers are entitled to review or revisit disciplinary decisions that they've already made. However the fairness of that decision will very much depend on the circumstances of the case and if they decide to go forward with a further warning or more enhanced warning or additional disciplinary sanction and the employee remains an employee then the employee may very well bring a claim for constructive unfair dismissal or at the very least, raise a grievance about the way they've been treated. Employers should always have in mind the principles of fairness and reasonableness in how they deal with employees. I will put a link in the show notes to the cases that I've referred to today, so you can have a look and you can find the details at adviceforemployerscouk forward slash podcast forward slash 110 and again thank you very much to the long time listener for another great suggestion on a topic for the podcast I do hope that everyone's enjoyed it and and thank you to those of you who are getting in touch with me and sending me suggestions for the podcast it's really helpful and please just carry on getting in touch I do love hearing from you and it makes it all worthwhile as I keep saying Thanks very much for listening. I do hope that you have a great week. And don't forget that if you need any advice or assistance, or you know of anyone who has any employment problems at work or with their own staff, then do get in touch. We offer one-off services, regular monthly retained services, fixed fees, all kinds of things. So do get in touch and have a chat with us. You can get in touch with me directly. It's Alison at RealEmploymentAdvice.co.uk